good morning. It's good to uh, see you here today, and uh, it's uh, great to have the opportunity to share God's Word. So we uh, continue in our series, Power in Weakness, and I'm really looking forward to speaking this morning. Uh, my uh, theme for today is the ministry and message of reconciliation, and we're going to look at a real classic New Testament passage. But just before I do that, uh, for those that you don't know, I've recently just come back from Africa. Deb and I, my wife, went to Africa. We went to Zim and to uh, Cape Town. There's a picture of the church in Harare, a River of Life church. is a fantastic church. I mean, the local context is really demanding. 90% unemployment. You just can't get your head around it, to be honest. But the believers there are so vibrant. I come back thinking, am I a Christian? I mean, it's just challenging how I might, my faith might be rocked by, you know, I've had a bit of a bad week, but then you see these people worshipping Jesus and, you know, it's really tough. So it's great for us, for a church like us, to connect with them. Uh, and while I was there, we spoke on marriage. I spoke five times on marriage on the Sunday and then um, did a, a, Deb and I did a weekend for their elders and wives. And in fact... Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, on the 27th of January, as we do uh, year by year, Deb and I take a seminar which we call Sex, Romance and God. That's a good title, I thought. And uh, if you're married here, you've never been on the morning, I really encourage you to come. Just invest in your marriage. Take some time out. Uh, Deb and I will both teach. And uh, you'll have an opportunity to chat together. You won't be asked to share anything with anyone other than your husband or wife. But it's really good for us as a church to invest positively in marriages. So I was teaching it over a weekend in Harare. We're going to be doing it here in a few weeks' time. And then the, the next Sunday I preached in Cape Town in a brilliant church called Jubilee. Uh, you can just about see me uh, in the distance here. I like this shot. It's panoramic view. It's a 1,000-seater auditorium, great church, and uh, I spoke there. And then lastly, uh, not really by way of introduction, just another notice. I think this has just been said, but could I invite anyone that's new to Kings to join me uh, when we do the membership morning? I'm doing that over the same weekend. We're doing the seminar on the Sunday. It's uh, just an opportunity to meet you and for me to share a little bit of our story and some of the vision and values uh, uh, values that we hold in this church. You're not committing to being a member, but by coming along, you'll learn a little bit more about King. So I'd like to make my own, if I may, personal invite. If you want to go to either uh, of those uh, mornings, please do go to the, uh, the welcome desk, uh, the information desk at the end of the meeting. I want to ask you today, where do you get your identity from? I mean, think about it for a moment. Where's your identity? Where do you get your identity? Do you get it in your upbringing? And I came from well, you should, you know, where I was born, you know. So it's in your upbringing. Or maybe it's in your education. You're sitting there thinking, well, I get my identity because I've got so many degrees. Or do you meet people and they, they got more letters after their name than their actual name? Yeah, have you ever met people like that? And you can sort of think, wow, are they trying to impress me because I'm a bit threatened. I don't know if I'm impressed, but they, they're kind of like, man, they've got degrees of degrees. Yeah. Or... Maybe you get your value because you're married here, or you, maybe you get your value because you're single here. I can stand on my own, or I, I don't know. Maybe you get your value because you're a mum. You think, oh, it gives me identity. Maybe you get 
your uh, identity out of your gender or your sexuality. I don't know. Where do you get your identity from? Maybe you get it out of the car you drive. Yeah, man, you should see my BMW. I mean, I, look at me. I'm doing okay. I want, I want the whole world to know that I drive a people carrier. Okay, I drive a people. You all know I drive a people carrier. But you actually get your identity, a sense of value. Uh, things are going okay with me. Look at me. I'm driving this flash car. I don't know. Maybe you get it out of the music you listen to. Yeah. When I was going out, I was police. Do you remember them? They're not people you, you want to avoid not get in trouble with. That police were a band. Okay, this is before Sting, though Sting was in the police. It was just the police, it wasn't Sting. It's a bit of music history there for you as an aside. So you know I'm a real music buff. <laughs> oh dear. Maybe it's who you hang out with, the group you hang out with, or the gang you hang out with. Where'd you get your identity? Maybe you get your identity in the clothes you wear. Yeah? You see young people around, they have hats. You notice, I've noticed this. I've observed this. Sometimes they're this way. Sometimes they're that way. Yeah? I can see some nice hats in the house of God today. Yeah? It's... it's <laughs> You're right, David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very, very good. Man, man, he's got identity. I mean, he's, he's nearly as cool as me. Yeah? Nice hat at the back there. Very good. Yeah. So it, gives, it gives... Communicate something of identity. It's not right or wrong. It's... it's Great. Maybe you get an identity in the work you do. I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. I'm an accountant. I'm a pastor. Um, I'm a businessman. I'm a mother. I don't know. Where do you get your identity from? Because the passage we're going to look at today is going to say and communicate to us that we should find our identity in Christ. Now, all these other things are not unimportant. I don't mind if you wear a hat or not. I I think it's really helpful to have a degree. I don't mind you having a nice car. uh, But I do want you to know that they are secondary. They're not primary when it comes to your identity. And that's what we're going to look at today. And hopefully it'll be fun, but it'll be challenging at the same time. Um, So let's read uh, uh, as a part of our uh, 2 Corinthians uh, series, the, the verses from... Chapter 5 and 11 through to 6 and verse 2. The first few verses really pick up the narrative and his argument. Again, that Paul, if you remember, if you've been with us through the series, is really sort of arguing for his message and for his uh, ministry, the integrity of it. uh, And in this kind of dispute he has with this church in Corinth. So since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men... uh, what we, what, are, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. And if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for the sake of you. So that whole first few verses was all about the kind of their view of Paul. And whether he's reliable and uh, is he going to turn up and all those type of things. Okay. Now this is really where I'm going to preach from, from verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now, just so you know, right up front, at the end of this message, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone here who's never put their trust in Jesus to do that. And as I share this message, I want you to listen in, because right through it is the the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, One of the challenges of preaching... Uh, particularly in a church you've led nearly 20 years, is how do you do it in a fresh way? How do you do it so that you retain the attention of the hearers, you make it relevant uh, to uh, your life and the season of life you're uh, going through? And uh, that's always a challenge. And so when I'm preparing, I'm trying to understand the passage. What's it said to its original hearers? What's What's the truth in here? And how does it relate to our lives? And uh, uh, this is a challenging passage, partly because it's so content-rich. How do you open this up in half an hour and help all of us continue to pursue Christ? That's, that's my challenge today. Uh, so by way of introduction, I want you to know that through this passage, there are two overarching themes. And they're all around in the title, actually. It's the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So Paul, through these verses, like, leans from one foot to another. At one moment he's talking about the message of reconciliation and then the next moment he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation. And then he he says, look, this is the message. Be reconciled to God, but you are the the carriers of this ministry. Be an ambassador and appeal on Christ's behalf. And he literally leans from one foot to another throughout the whole passage. And sometimes in one verse he sort of goes one way, then the other, then he stays there and then he goes back. And so as you go through the passage, that is the kind of theme going through. I thought on this occasion I'd actually show you, uh, I don't do this every time, but this is, I felt led to prepare this way, uh, this time, which was literally to take a photocopy of my Bible and then get a marker pen out and try, and I was trying to think, how could I come up with a way that would be memorable for people? And so the first thing, I thought, well, I could preach the major kind of deep truths and theological themes through this passage. And so I got my dark green pen and I went through new creation. I went through reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. I thought both uh, the message and the ministry. So I put a green pen there. And then I thought, actually there's something about uh, ambassadors. I could, I could have the theme of what it means to be an ambassador, representative of Christ. And then there's this in verse 21. Wow, there's this... These remarkable phrases. 
He who had no sin became sin for us. Now the scholars say this is about Christology, the work and person of Jesus. It's really focusing on the work and the person of Jesus. That Jesus was without sin but became sin. It's behind it is all the kind of thinking that there was a price to be paid for our sin. There had to be a penalty. There had to be justice. Um, there had to be sacrifice. There had to be someone that replaced and took our place in those phrases. Uh, and then there's the phrase, the righteousness of God. What does that mean? Well, it means that now we, it's, it's like a word for another word, New Testament, justification. Which means that we're now holy. Justification or righteousness says like, you are guilty before a holy God. You're in front of a judge and you, know, you should receive judgment. But actually then Jesus goes, no, it's okay, I've taken it. I've paid the price. I had no sin, I've now taken it upon myself. And so therefore, you're, you're, you're free, you're, you're righteous, you're holy, you're blameless before God because of Jesus. So I could, have, I could have preached that. And then of course there's the whole theme of salvation here. That this is God's salvation plan. To reconcile a broken down relationship between God and mankind in Christ. So that you and me can know God, know we're going to heaven. And so there's that. And I thought, that's not a sermon. I thought that's a series. I thought that's a series. I'm not going to preach that today. That's a whole series. Oh, and so I got my pen out. I thought, well, what else is in here? And I thought, this time I got pink. Got me pink then. And I thought, wow, there's a lot about God in here. And so I went, now, God, 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 God. Yeah? You can see that. And it says that all of this is from God. And God was reconciling. So really important that God initiates towards us. God, God steps towards you today. However, how long you, ever you've been in Christ or you don't know Jesus yet, he is stepping towards you. And when people become a Christian, they very often say, I've found Jesus. Yeah? But here, well, yeah, you have found Jesus. I understand that. But you know, he's really found you. He wants you. He loves you. He created you. And he's pursuing you. He might, you think you chose to come here today. But it, we, we, I believe he drew you here. Maybe it's your moment. Maybe it's your day that this message becomes relevant and applied to your life. And... Um, that is um, what my hope is for you. And uh, uh, because God moves towards us. And then it says God, God makes his appeal. To us. I, I find that really, I find that humbling and challenging and a whole range of thoughts that go through my mind. That God has chosen you and me to actually make the appeal of this wonderful message of good news. Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So God the Father sent his one and only Son, that God uh, himself came, took on flesh, Jesus took on flesh, he died for you and me. Wow, wow. That we might be, be, uh, have the righteousness of God, to be right with God, or holy before God. And God calls us fellow workers, so we're involved in the ministry. Uh, and don't miss God's grace. You know, don't run in vain. Don't miss God's grace. Don't suddenly go back into law or into earning your salvation. No, God's grace. Don't miss it in vain. And know that it's, it's, it's God's favor. God's favor's on you. The favor that we now live in the dispensation, the era of salvation, that you can know God. 
And I thought to myself, this is not a sermon. I thought this is a series. It's a whole series in that. And so I thought, oh. So I got out another pen. I got out now. You can see this is my light green yellow pen, yeah? You got one of those? And I thought, wow, there's a lot about Christ in here. I thought of my old pastor back in Bedford, and he said to me when I first started preaching, he said, Steve, whatever you do, always preach Jesus. Every message, whether it's out of the Old Testament, should go through the cross. It's in the New Testament, it should go through the cross. That you should preach Jesus. If people go away and you've entertained them, and they've laughed and you've kept them awake, that's helpful. Uh, But actually, the real thing is you want people to walk out Christ-centered. That's good preaching. So I thought, well, I could do that. So let's have a look. Well, Christ's love compels us. I mean, if you've really met Jesus and you know the depth of this message and the impact on your own life, you can't but help be involved in the ministry of it. You've got to pass it on because the love of God compels you. Um, or he died for all. There was Jesus took the sacrifice. Um, but if it wasn't for him, so I put that through and then it says, um, though we once regarded Christ in this way. So I don't matter. I once regarded Jesus Christ very differently to what I do now. When I was growing up, I believed in the historical Jesus. I wasn't someone that didn't believe in the historical, but I did. I believed in the historical Jesus, but then I thought he wasn't very relevant to me, not as a young guy. I thought, ah, a bit boring. I wasn't sure he was raised from the dead, and so I regarded him another. I never blasphemed because I was growing up in a Christian home, but I was around people at work that did, and I regarded Jesus in a different way than I do now. How do you regard Jesus? Yeah. Uh, is he, you know, maybe lived? Or is he the son of God, crucified and risen? Um, it changes your perspective on Jesus when you become a Christian. And God was reconciling people in Christ and through Christ. Um, and that this message of reconciliation was for the whole world in Christ. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. And we, have, we appeal to people to be reconciled to God on Christ's behalf. Because in him there was no sin, but he became sin for us. And in him we have the righteousness of God. And I thought, that's not a sermon. I thought, that's a series. There's so much in these uh, wonderful verses. And so I had to land somewhere in the end. And by the way, this is all by way of introduction. But you know I always finish on time, so you can relax, okay? And uh, I ended up with just a th- quick three-point sermon. So I thought I'm going to do half explaining the passage and then half today on some application into our life. So uh, these are the three points. New message, new creation, new ministry. So new message. I, I really did enjoy the election this time, Okay. It was fascinating. One of the most fascinating elections. I stayed up late into the night, as you know, and I've read all the articles afterwards. And the articles are saying that the Labour Party got their message wrong. And their message was predominantly um, about uh, we need to care for the vulnerable and the poor. Uh, so, you know, that gets a big tick from where I come from. Okay? 
But then also they lost a bit of the message that if you actually did well and worked hard and uh, achieved and earned, it left the impression that that wasn't a good thing to do. And so if you had aspired to anything, rightly or wrongly, if that was ever their ultimate aim, that's what came through. And so the center ground politically, they lost the center ground. Okay? <laughs> you didn't know you were going to get a political analysis as well. I mean, you've got advice on your dress and music and now political. I mean, what a, what a fulfilling morning you're getting. Okay? And then... Uh, and so I wrote to our local MP, Heidi Alexander, who normally comes to all our carol services, not all, comes to one of our carol services. She's a fantastic local MP, Labour MP. I wrote to her, I said, Heidi, well done for getting voted in, which must have been a difficult evening for you personally, but you're an excellent local MP. And as a personal note, because I knew I was, she would see me as representing us, I said, as a personal note, can I encourage you to encourage your party to lean centre for the year? That's what I said. Lean that way rather than that way. Because I think yeah, that's a good thing, because it would help vulnerable people. That's not to say that the Conservative Party are not out to help vulnerable people as well. Oh dear, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, okay? But the message, the point, don't forget, the message, yeah? The message. Oh, yeah. Someone said, you know, never talk about religion and politics. That's difficult on a Sunday morning like this, isn't it? But anyway, so the message. You've got to get the message. And Paul's message here is the message of reconciliation. It's one of his favorite pictures of what God does in Christ. He uses other pictures like redemption, which has its root in freedom from slavery. It would have been more relevant in New Testament times. Not unrelevant now, but more relevant. People would have been, as they live around, would be very common for people to have slaves. And if you wanted to get free, you had to pay a ransom. And that gave you freedom from your past. You were free. And so that's a picture of redemption. Obviously, that applies very much to us as people that once in slavery to our sin were now free and there's been a ransom paid by Jesus. Or that maybe the picture of adoption is easier for us to kind of, oh, right, the picture of adoption, that once we are outside the family and then in Christ, we've been included in the family, we've been adopted in, and we're now a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Or the picture of justification or righteousness, which I've alluded to, this kind of legal term. You are, you're, all sins are cancelled out. You, know, you, you are guilty, but you're released. You can go because of what Jesus has done. But this picture uses the one of reconciliation. And he uses it a number of times in the New Testament. Here's another great uh, uh, few verses in Colossians where he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And once you, as us, were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, your sin, and your attitudes, your thoughts. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death on a cross to present you holy, righteous, or justified in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Hallelujah. This is good news. Okay. And so therefore, in this gospel of good news, this message of reconciliation, you can have your sin cleansed, you can have your past forgiven, you can have your peace restored. Uh, Leon Morris, who wrote a classic book uh, called The Atonement, says that recon- reconciliation simply means restored friendship, or making up after a quarrel. I quote from his book when it says, it means bringing people into a state of friendship after they've been at loggerheads 
It means turning people from being enemies into friends. It means replacing enmity with friendship. It means ending a quarrel. So this reconciliation isn't just like, you know, when you, you, you fall out with someone. You, or you have a difference of opinion. You have a, a, a meeting at work or at home. Family, and you, just, just, you just bump into each other. No, this is talking about breakdown of relationship. And, you know, possibly a number of you have experienced that. You, you, you had a really close friend and then something happened. You fell out and, you know, now you don't talk. Or, or someone in the family or tragically, when you know married people start out and they get married on the day and they're all kind of Ooh, it's happy and they're you know full of expectations and then later on it's separation and divorce, there's breakdown. Okay, this is the picture. The picture of reconciliation is like there is huge breakdown and separation, but then there is coming back together. There is a, a healing. There is a a, uh, a reconciling between differences. And that's the picture of what Jesus has done. Because we, the fall came. We were separated from God. We were far from him. You were far from him. You were further away from God than you realized. Yeah? <laughs> so most people overread their goodness. But we all have fallen. We're all far short. And therefore you need a savior. You need someone to bridge the gap. And uh, obviously here we're talking about God's love for you and how you can be reconciled. But this is actually God's sovereign plan. This is the grand vision here that God has moved towards us in Christ so that people can know him. So the second thing is the point of new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Wow. I remember when uh, we had our three sons. I was with Deb. And she was kind of giving birth to our boys. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or been there when that's happened. It involves pain. My hands never really recover from the squeeze that Deb has given. I've got a mark where the ring just caught that. You've heard that from me. So obviously carry it quite deeply before. Uh, but there was pain. And, uh, and then there was new birth. Oh my days. Do you remember if you've been there? Do you remember that moment? Boom, it's a boy. I remember particularly my first son holding him and thinking, oh. I thought, well, I better grow up now. A <laughs> better sense of responsibility. And then Josh came and boom, it's another boy. And then Sam came, it's a boy, we're only two boys. You know, but you know, a remarkable new birth. That's why the New Testament uses that picture. It says, that when you become a Christian, you are born again. It's like, it's like new birth. Yeah? And it is totally transforming. When you uh, put your trust in Jesus, the regeneration work of the Holy Spirit and life transform you. And you come from someone who was far from God. And in a moment you know God. You know the forgiveness of God. And you are a Christian. Your whole status before God is transformed. And it's transformed because the old is gone. So this is good news, okay? That means all your past sins, uh, motives, thoughts, actions, your shame and your guilt, your rejection, uh, your resentment, it's all taken on Jesus on the cross. And so you've got a clean slate. Hallelujah. Brilliant. This is good, Steve. Thank you for reminding me. The old is gone. But not only is the old gone... The new has come. 
So now you can walk out of here with a new sense of identity. Okay? Your identity ultimately is not in your uh, culture or your tribe or your education. It's in Christ. Hey, I'm now a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. You can walk tall. Yeah? Now, very often we put our identity and value in these other things. But they're very temporary. I mean, when the day comes and you meet him face to face, you know, I'm going to meet him face to face. He isn't going to go to me, Steve, you didn't get any O-levels, is he? Well, he might, actually. He might. You know, say, you should have done better. Or, that sounds like my mother, that does. Okay. Uh, or, oh, well, you're coming in. You got a first at Cambridge. You're in. You're in front row. No. No. He's not going to look at you and say, wow, look at your hat or look at your car. He ain't. He's not. You might think, as you're driving along with a window down with your BMW, thinking, hey, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm letting everyone else know I'm doing all right. Look at me with my four by four. He's not interested. Now, remember, he doesn't mind you having things like that. It's just where you put your value. It's these things in themselves. I would want you to get a degree, and I don't mind you if you have a BMW. Yeah? Yeah, be generous with your money, but I don't mind. I'm not telling you not to have a nice car. I've got a nice car. It's just a people car. All right? Okay? <laughs> because there's a new status. You're a new person in Christ, and it should radically change you. Because before you were a slave to sin, now you're a slave to righteousness. I mean, that means you have a choice, the Bible says. When temptation comes, you have a choice. Because the power of sin has been broken in you. Because you're in Christ. And so therefore, when the power... Okay, you can choose to go that way. Or you can go, no, I don't need to go that way. I mean, that's a deal deal breaker, that one alone. And Paul understood this. And he summarized it in Philippians chapter 3 for us. If anyone... If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, you know, you're kind of in who I am, uh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of... Of Christ, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, who's for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ and the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So this is where this kind of, you, 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 you know, as you become born again, as you become this new creation, it totally, it should change everything. Now, look, I'm white British. I don't mind if you're Caribbean or you're Nigerian here. I don't mind what tribe you come from. I think, you know, I support Crystal Palace. I'm happy to wear the badge. You know, I hope England do win some sport at some point in the future. I mean, I'm happy to identify with my nation. I'm not saying you don't, don't, don't throw that away. It's important. It's, 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 it's kind of your history. So please carry that. Be, be Nigerian. Be Caribbean. Be English. Yeah? Be who you are. But more than anything, be Christian. Okay? Be in Christ. Okay? That's it. Now. That's why in the Indian churches that I've had the privilege to visit, you can marry across caste. Yeah? Oh, that's a shocking thing to do. Not if you're Christian, it isn't. Occasionally I hear that, you know, it's not good to marry across tribe. 
But not if it's, that's a secondary thing. If you're two Christians, you love each other, then that should, that should trump. So in fact, in the end, being a Christian should trump these other things. It should trump your car, it should trump your tribe. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> and your value, in the end, shouldn't come from the big three, measure, pleasure, and treasure. Yeah? It should come from being in Christ. So it really doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter what position or power you've got. Or what pleasure you're getting. Now there's antidotes to those. The antidotes for uh, power is to serve. The antidote to treasure is to give. But they're very secondary. That's in a sense to help you continue to be Christ-focused. But really, your value comes from being a Christian. And then lastly, new ministry. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so we have this ministry of reconciliation. It's our responsibility, folks. God has handed it to us. He's given us a great commission. I mean, that's quite a thing for God to do. Trust us with it. Trust you with it. So how are you doing with that one? When it comes to sharing your faith, stand with dignity, I'm a Christian, but when it comes to sharing your faith, personally, I find that challenging. Do you find that challenging? Or don't you think it's really a, your remit? Oh no, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian. The last thing I want to do is actually connect with any of those unbelievers out there. I'm going to withdraw and get into my holy huddle. That's not what this passage is talking about at all. In fact, Paul, his life is on the line because he keeps preaching the gospel. They're going to kill him. Okay? That's out there, isn't it? Or as for me as a pastor of a church, ever since I've become a Christian, I couldn't help but telling other people about Jesus. Why? Because the actual message had so impacted my life. Then to separate the message and the ministry of reconciliation is just like standing on one foot. You just got to walk. I'm reconciled. Hey, you could be reconciled. I'm reconciled. Hey, you could be reconciled. That's why I lead a church which is just as interested in the people that are not in the room today of all those that are. It comes to uh, big decisions I make in my life and in leading this church. So we grow, we grow, we grow. You think, wow, you get to a thousand. I could, you know, I could retire on that. And then in the middle of the downturn, we get offered a building that costs three and a half million pounds. There's no money around to borrow, and everyone doesn't know if they've got a job in six months' time. And so why did we buy the building? Because we wanted another building. No, we buy a building because we want to see tens, hundreds, even thousands of people reconciled to God in our generation, and probably even more important, leave a legacy for generations to come. That's what we want, because we're carrying this message of reconciliation. We can't help ourselves. And so, you know, I stand up in front of you and I say, look, give, give, give. And you go, oh, here he goes. Why am I doing that? I'm doing partly because it's an antidote to the, 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 the power of materialism in life. But more importantly, I'm doing it because I know for every pound that's given, that gives us an opportunity to present Jesus to tens, if not hundreds of people, and changes their eternal destiny. It's why I left a job which was paid well with a BMW, took a uh, 80% drop in salary and drove my mum's Fiesta with 80,000 miles on the clock. You know this story. Why? Because i had done this thing and I knew it didn't go anywhere. I wanted to give myself to the, the message and ministry of reconciliation. Now, we're not all called to be pastors. Hallelujah. Let's say that. Okay, all right. Okay. You'd be a doctor. You'd be an accountant. Yeah. 
but do it with the same motive. And hold things lightly and hold your dignity in Christ. And then the passage finishes as I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. You can know this for yourself today. Let's pray together. Okay, my dear friends, time has gone. But just give me two minutes, would you, to lead you in prayer and give an opportunity for anyone here that wants to respond to God. Why don't we all respond by standing? Let's just all stand. And uh, that's a way of just saying we're before God. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And if you would like to become a Christian today or you would like to recommit your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to raise your hand. That's where we're going. Not yet, in a moment. Let me just pray first, and then uh, I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Okay. So, Father, I come to you. Why don't we all repeat that? Father, I come to you. Thank you for the message of reconciliation. Thank you for the message of reconciliation. Thank you that I can be friends with God. Thank you, I can be friends with God. I turn to you now, and I put my trust in Jesus. Put my trust in Jesus. Crucified and risen. Crucified. I give my life to you, Lord. Give my life to you, Lord. Amen. So why we just got our eyes closed? It was great to see a couple of hands go up. I'm sorry if I just wasn't clear enough but now what I would like you to do if you want to respond to Jesus today and put your trust in him maybe for the first time or you just know oh no this is true it resonates I've heard it before I've drifted I'm going to recommit my life can I ask you to put your hand up right now really high move really quickly today that's great well done one two uh three any others that want to just is your moment four five thank you six here anyone else you want to get saved today, put your hand really high. I don't want to lose anyone in the crowd. One, two, three, four, five. Anyone else? It's your moment. Okay. There's two here, another two here. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Right now, I want you to keep your hand. That's, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Let's just, do you just keep your hand up until we get someone with you? There's a lady here. There's a lady there. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Anyone else? Guy there. Anyone over here? Let's put their hand up. Respond to Jesus today. Okay. That's great, Jeffrey. I've seen you. That's fine. Okay. Let me pray. Well, actually, I won't pray. I've prayed already. Look at me. Come and look at me. Okay. I want you to walk out of here, if you're a Christian, with your head held high today. Yeah, know your identity in Christ. Yeah, know it. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, unashamed because God loves you. It, you, you. You are loved by God. You're accepted by God. You can walk out confident. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're precious to the Almighty. Yeah, and you can walk out. I'm Christian. Yeah. Now our world will want to push us down. Say, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, look at you. No, no, I'm Christian. I'm happy. Yeah? So have a great week. Bless you.